Hello everyone, welcome back. We are here today for what I think is a crucial and often overlooked part of being a human helping the greater good, which is uh, we're going to be exploring working with our own operating systems, basically, um, with our guest today, John Vasu Seskovich. Hi, John. Hey. Namaste, everyone. Yeah, it's so good to be here with you. We're actually recording on Ram Dass's Lanai right now here on Maui, um, which is pretty awesome. So, John, would you give us just a little intro of like who you are and what you do and your kind of unique modalities of working with being a human? Yeah, <laughs> I I've been fortunate to have been connected with Ramdas over the years. In fact, I'm celebrating the 50th anniversary of being introduced to Ramdas through Be Here Now, reading that book and just loving it, carrying it around in my backpack, telling people about it, um, just key. And so I'm having that celebration right now. And then after... Um, meeting Ramdas, and you know I can talk about that more. But I, I became a nurse uh, in the big picture. A nurse. I worked at Duke Hospital for almost forty years, and my job was teaching about stress management. I know a lot of times people hear the word stress and they think problems, worries, tension, pressure. But what we've discovered is that stress really comes from change. Anytime there's changes in life, even good changes, it can cause stress. I think of like Christmas, the holidays, a wedding, starting a new job, moving. Good, but that change can cause stress. And so um, teaching about stress management in the hospital I've seen over 40,000 people dealing with what I'll say are the biggest stressors in life. And more of my background, I, I am a reg was a registered nurse, and also I have a degree in religion. And right now, I've, I've actually stopped working, retired, um, moved to California. I live in Ojai, California now. And just have this wonderful opportunity to spend two weeks in Maui at Ramdas's house, and so that's yeah. where we're meeting up. It's really cool. Um, just to say this because I feel it's relevant. It's so you and my mom actually worked in the worked at Duke at the same time. Yes. And uh, I worked with her patients. Yeah, for sure. which is so cool. And then now you know to meet here at Ramdas's house on Maui is just really it's like interesting interweaving of stories and we both have 919 phone numbers yeah we both have 919 <laughs> North Carolina phone numbers um so I was just thinking about your work you know helping people to deal with these intense super you know challenging uh health conditions and like helping people to cultivate um, mental wellness in such intense times. And I was like, wow, there is literally no better person that I could talk to about how for all of us to kind of deal with the, the stress that comes with being alive as a person today. Like, in and 2022, yeah. yes, the changes, the whole world has changed because of COVID and mm -hmm. and and thinking it's gonna go away in a few months and here it is a couple years yeah, later. Yeah, it's it's and I was thinking too, you know, all of us in some way, shape, or form, like we're experiencing the effects of health challenges, whether it's in our own bodies or you know, as a result of living on the earth where, you know, the biosphere and these things are compromise there's climate change so I just really feel like in order to be able to be these kind of activating agents of healing in the world healers yeah yeah we have to be able to 
be real with ourselves and our operating systems and be like, hey, it's important for us to be able to deal with stress and our mental health and talk about that and have that be in in the dialogue and in as part of our work, included as part of our regenerative work. I've been a member of the American Holistic Nursing Association forever. And just the idea that most people, when they think of themselves, they think of their body, but we are more than our body. We're our body, our mind, our emotions, uh, our spirit, our family, our work, our hobbies and creative activities that makes up who we are and that idea that stress causes wear and tear it can affect people in any of those vulnerable areas where one person you know in response to stress they might have something physical like a headache or you know upset GI system but another person, their head's going to be fine. They just haven't slept in three nights. And another person's sleeping well, but they're easy to anger. Where uh, a person, I believe, is like a cup of water. And when the cup is filled with stress, you add one more change, the cup overflows, and then it comes out. There's the headache. Uh, you know, I think of like migraine headaches. They say that they strike when the stress is over. So the person's like, you know, pushing through, managing it, going, and then the stress is over, and there's the headache, which kind of kills the weekend fun plans that, that you had. And so I, I think the idea of stress affects a person in their vulnerable area. And so to take away blame, if I could just share... Uh, a little more about like some of the science of stress. Yeah. Because oh, we were saying, um, you know, sometimes when we have these feelings of stress, even though we're, we're all existing in rather stressful conditions right now in this global moment, sometimes we blame ourselves for it. It's like, oh, why am I feeling this way? Or what's, you know, sometimes like what's wrong with me or kind of like, how do I get over this and get back to work or whatever it is? So just... Yeah, the, so, so the, one of the foundations, I'll say, is that stress comes from change, as I mentioned earlier. So things might be going great, you know, great successes, and, but still that, that change in life causes stress. Another truth is stress is physical. It sends powerful chemicals into the body, adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol, that can affect the whole person. Where, you know, one, the muscles might be tense, someone else, their blood pressure might be up, someone else, you know, st stomach acid up, breathing tight. I work with people, for example, at the hospital waiting for lung transplants. Wow. So when they get a lot of stress, what does it affect? Their breathing. Oh my gosh. Where someone else, their breathing's fine. So it's that individual makeup. So that's going to be the first in terms of managing stress is taking that kind of honest look at yourself. How does stress affect me? Mm. So just to continue with that, stress is physical. Some people, however, thrive on stress. Firefighters, mm. military, police officers, oncology physicians. <laughs> like my mom. Yes can have high stress every day and love it. And, you know, that's a good thing. If, if I, you know, found out I had like lung cancer, I would want to go to a doctor like your mom who thrives on stress. You know, I got this, John. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the idea that, you know, for her, it's like, this is what I do. This is normal. So, you know, that's a good thing. Some people, however, don't like change at all. And they have one little change, and it's like they're having a response to the stress. The wear and tear is affecting them. Um, so individual makeup, stress, physical, powerful chemicals into the body. Over time, whether you love stress or hate it, is that 
the wear and tear on a person can come out. So I, I like the analogy of a person's like a cup of water. The cup is filled with stress. One more thing happens and it overflows. Mm. And even if, you know, you, you are the, you know, EMT, firefighter, you know, that one more thing comes and that stress is overflowing. So in terms of stress management, one of the ideas I like is that you're, by taking care of yourself, you're emptying out some of the stress so that that next change happens, it doesn't overflow. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's so, the whole thing is so interesting because this is, like, I've been thinking about it as we have these complex operating systems, right? Like our brain, our body, the way it's all connected. And we are taught so little <laughs> about how these things work and what happens. And, you know, literally, if we're experiencing stress, whatever that is for us, there are physical chemicals being released in our brains that affect the function of our entire system. Yes. And how is it that we're not taught how to deal with these things? It's so wild to me. And that's, I'm so glad to have you on because I really want to pick your brain about how we can work with, with our nervous systems and be effective, be these positive forces of change in the world and still deal with these high amounts of stress that are present for pretty much every being alive at this point in time. Yes. And, you know, I know that's so broad, you know. But you have, you know, what can we control and what can't we control? You know, sometimes there's that issue. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm driving and then I see a deer come from the side of the road. Mm -hmm. You know, and I want that stress to come into my body. I want the reflexes. I want the muscle tension. I want my vision to be better. And then I make it through, make it back home, drive, drive drive 20 minutes, get back home, and if this happens, where's my gun when I need it? These friggin' deer out here, <laughs> I hate them all. I just had 20 more minutes of that stress pouring into my body with that anger response to it. Wow. Whereas, you know, I go through the stress, I mean, but as a nurse, I know homeostasis, the body wants to heal. You know, you just cut your hand a little bit and you don't have to think about it. Your body's wanting to heal. So as a nurse, you see, you get homeostasis within the body and that helps boost the body's healing system. So do our brains want to heal too? And if yes. so, like, why do we have to learn all these? I mean, not not like why do we, but it seems like it wouldn't it be nice if our stress kind of healed itself the way that a cut does in this sort of automatic way. And I'm sure it happens on a lot of levels. It could. You know, what we want is for it to happen easier and more effectively. So that idea that if I've learned, let's say, um, you know, you, you know how when you're dealing with stress, people say, relax don't worry mm -hmm. what does that do nothing makes nothing. it worse yeah. even. it <laughs> yeah. can even make it worse whereas what i like to do is teach people how how to relax how to cut down on worry so you've had that experience of the stress the deer on the side of the road how do you get back to homeostasis balance so that when you arrive home 20 minutes later you're ready for what's next. Mm, yeah, how, how do we? <laughs> There's so many moments that all of us encounter, whether it's learning about climate news or things in our own lives where we have that moment of like, oh man, I'm stressed. Or a lot of times the word will be like, I'm triggered that I hear. Yeah. And yeah. as someone who you've helped people well, through these crazy acute things, yeah, what and, would and you? So, so imagine like you're in the hospital or family members in the hospital what patients taught me is that the biggest stress of all is when someone is waiting and not knowing. Hmm. So the patients taught me that, and then I see it over and over again in the hospital, but also in real life. When is the pandemic going to be over? You know, what is, how are we going to pay the rent? 
what's my what's happening with my job you know just the uncertainty is the stress where does our mind want to go to the future what if what if if only or to the past mm. which all that does is it magnifies the stress you know i could go into someone someone's room on a, a thursday they've just had a biopsy and they're not going to get the results until monday mm. so what is that thursday night friday night saturday or sunday oh my gosh an opportunity for the stress to just build but all of your listeners are recognizing maybe now times in their own life when they were not knowing mm. and the mind is going again future past well the beauty of, of Ramdas's basic teaching if I, if I could just synthesize yeah. his work to me is be here now with loving awareness so you've got that three days when you know you're waiting to find out what's going on is that going to be time for the stress to build and take over or is it going to be a time to add more living in the present with loving awareness mm. kind of an interesting choice how do you cultivate that quality of love awareness in day-to-day -day life yeah the the technique that i found and i've actually was part of a million dollar grant to study this from the nih wow um and it's called mantra meditation okay now that word mantra has kind of a, a eastern connotation to it and if you could imagine it does i think of people chanting in a temple or yes, something i'm like yes. yeah okay i mean you know yeah. and here i am at duke hospital in the bible belt oh my gosh you know and I've, i have this idea of relaxation words wow where you take a short positive thought and you think those words intentionally again and again and again a short positive thought thinking those words silently to yourself and what the research showed and, you know, I can't tell you how many people I saw right before a stressful medical procedure. And, you know, we have some YouTubes of people making comments about the value in this here. The value of this is that um, taking, resting your mind on the short positive thought allows your body to calm and then you'll have energy to deal with the stress, whatever it is. Interesting. So short, positive thought. There's actually, and should I go ahead and just explain the whole technique? Well, okay. So I think that the mantra is really interesting. And for people listening who are like, okay, you know, I don't know what this is. You know, the research on it is fascinating. And also I will say, like, I mostly work like with the environmental things. I don't have much of a spiritual background. However, learning a bit from the Ramdas community here on Maui, I had a situation where I was kind of, I was stuck in, in a pretty um, stressful dynamic and there was nothing I could do. And I called um, our mutual friend, Carl, and I was like, what can I do? And he said, do I am loving awareness, which was the, it's the mantra it's one of Ram Dass's like most, I mean, I'd say it's his most prominent mantra, if, I, if that's the and, way to and, say it. And what a mantra actually is, is something that protects the mind. Oh, yeah. I've looked up, you know, and done research. What is a mantra? A mantra is something that protects the mind. Wow. And that's a good thing, I think. I, yeah. did, I, I did a, a spiritual assessment with all of the people I worked with. And, you know, I'll share it with your audience. I said, is religion or spirituality important to you? For some it is and some it isn't. How about you? And so I've seen over 40,000 people in the hospital. And I can tell you I get four answers to that question. One is yes. A second is, I don't go to church, but I believe in God. A third is, well, I'm not sure about 
God, stuff like that. But I love nature and something spiritual. And the fourth answer is no. Hmm. So if your answer is no to that question, a mantra for you could be, I am loving awareness. Or I can do this. Or easy does it. Um, I had a teenager at the hospital choose, I am getting better. Mm. So I, I, I want everyone to just kind of get that, that a short positive phrase that has meaning to you could be an absolutely perfect mantra. Now, if religion's important to you, you might want a spiritual mantra. God is with me was very popular in the Bible Belt. Mm. But, you know, someone who's Jewish might like Shema Israel. Someone who are Muslim might like La Ilaha Illallah. Someone who's Native American might like the phrase Wakantanka. Mm. So you see where we're going with this. You individual take one short positive thought and then during the 15 minutes of the practice... Okay, so it's 15 minutes. Yeah, that's what the research showed. Okay. 15 minutes once a day. All you've got is 10 minutes, 10 minutes once a day. That that is time for you. And, you know, it's for many people, it's easier to help others, harder to do things for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately it's, you know, it's like lifting weights. It's easier to help other people. It's harder to let people help you. Mm-hmm. What takes more strength? Letting people help you. Wow. Taking time to do things for you. And my promise to you, if you do this, the quality of your care to others, nature, community is going to be greater by you taking care of you, remembering that as well. I mean, it's, it's really interesting that the research supports that, and I'm glad that there is research on it. And to finish my little personal story was just when I did this, I, I just used I am loving awareness in this very stressful situation that I really had no way out of at the time and it was so interesting the I just said it to myself over and over and over and I would notice when my thoughts would start to wander and I would come back to it now a key right there Hmm. when you notice other thoughts not if and if you've ever lied awake in bed trying to sleep you know exactly what I'm talking about the Mm. mind wanders So you're describing a key moment right there. When I notice my mind wander, you kindly and gently let go of that thought and returned to the mantra. Yes. 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 And, you know, it was so interesting. The mental change that I experienced, I almost I felt a little high. Honestly, I felt um, kind of just freer and way better than I thought I ever would in that particular situation. Of not knowing and that stress was high. Yeah, yes. yeah. And then um, I was getting really curious because I was like, what is this? Am I spiritually bypassing my emotions? Am I, you know, what's happening here? Because normally if I'm feeling something like that in that type of situation, it's going to take me a few days to... To work it through and be kind of effective again. Yes. But it didn't. I was able to even that evening kind of get it together and get the things done that I needed to get done. So just a story for anyone listening who's like a little on the fence about trying this type of thing. Um, There's a way to deal with stress. Part of our research, we went into people's rooms who are going to have like a heart procedure. You know, tubes snaked up into their heart. Oh my gosh. And we taught, we did the simple teaching like Carl did with you. Mm -hmm. And then we did a practice together for 10 minutes. Then they had the procedure. We had some people where, you know, a 
my, myself or my team would go in and then other people just got, uh, they didn't get any intervention at all. And the ones who didn't get the, the meditation training, their worry went up closer to the procedure, which makes sense, yeah. where our group, their worry went down closer to the procedure. So that experience you had, we replicated it. Wow, that's wild. One session. Wow, yeah, and it, that was my first time using it as well, using a mantra. That's fascinating. Yeah, um, so in, in another study we did, people practice this 15 minutes once a day, and within two weeks, their stress dramatically went down on four different stress scales, including brief symptom inventory, so including physical symptoms, as well as more psychological symptoms. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's massive. And um, there was another technique you were describing to me the other day related to this one mm -hmm. for people who might not want to use a mantra, which was, um, you're calling it... Yeah, soft belly breathing. Okay. Yeah, so soft belly breathing. Uh, a lot of people, you know, work with the breathing around stress. Mm -hmm. um, but from working in the hospital, a lot of people's stress came out in their breathing. You know, whether they have heart problems or cancer or, you know, waiting for a lung transplant. And so... I, I like to teach people how to catch their breath. And so if you take one hand and rest it on your belly okay. without work or effort, aim the breath towards your belly and the hand. So you don't have to breathe deep. You don't have to work. You've been breathing all day, all night. For years, you've been breathing fine. So <laughs> you are okay with your breathing. Just aim it towards the belly. And as you feel the belly rise with the inhale, your lungs are filling with good air. So this tells your body safe. Stress starts to go down, but control goes up. Hmm. You know, the idea of stress, you see that quick and shallow breathing? Yeah. Or holding the breath. Mm -hmm. no breathing happening either of those quick and shallow or holding your body is in the present is getting the message danger 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 so the stress keeps going up control down so this soft belly breathing begins physiological mental relaxation Okay, that's helpful to think about having something to kind of like aiming your breath t towards your stomach in that way and having your hand there as a guide. Because many times I've had people tell me, oh, just breathe, breathe deeply, make sure you take deep breaths. Right. And I always just feel a little bit irritated yeah. when people yeah, me tell too. me to do that. You know, it's like one time there was this lady, they were wheeling her to intensive care and the nurse is yelling at her, breathe, breathe. You know, it's like making it worse. <laughs> wow. Okay, so there's yeah mantras and then soft belly breathing. And then you were even talking about kind of a, I think you H called how it. How to relax. Yeah. The body. And, and it, having three elements and you would anchor into, into one element of your choosing and pay attention to the other two. Was that, what was that? So, so l l let's do two things with that. Okay. One how to relax okay because you know they yell at you relax you're getting tense <laughs> yeah but this idea is feel the support of the chair or bed allow the bed or chair to hold you so you're walking or you know you're working you are holding you yes but when you want to relax that kind of moving towards that balanced state Feel the chair, feel the bed, let it hold you. So that idea, okay. uh, you know, I'm waiting and not knowing. When are they coming? What's going to happen? You know, I'm getting more and more tense. And then I've got my headache. Then I've got my high blood pressure. But instead, I feel the chair, let the chair hold me. 
Mm-hmm. So feeling of warm, heavy, soft, and relax all through the body. The other, the other approach was more, um, people are familiar with the word mindfulness. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a hot topic right now in science and research and psychology and classes and stuff. And, you know, a lot of people um, get confused when they hear the word mindfulness. So what does that actually mean? And I think the confusion comes with concentration and mindfulness. You know, if you're concentrating on one thing, you know, I might there might be birds singing, but I'm going to go back to focus on my breath. A lot of people do that. They, with the mindfulness, they follow their breath. And so you're, you know, here it is in this beautiful place. I'm just going to, if I'm meditating here, I'm just going to concentrate on my breath. Well, that's concentration, although some people call it mindfulness. Whereas, um, so there's really three things a person can, you know, concentrate on in terms of mindfulness meditation. One is the breathing. The other is hearing, just allowing yourself It's easy for you to hear things, natural. Let sound be your focus, your primary focus. So hearing sound. For another person, the breath may be boring, sound, not interested, but they're really in touch with their body. Well, they can use their body, the kinesthetic feeling within the body, as their primary focus, as their primary concentration. Okay. Yeah. So you're picking a primary concentration. Yes. Which may be your breath. If you're picking your breath as your primary concentration, would you use the soft belly breathing? You could notice the rise and fall of the abdomen. Okay. And then some people, they'll notice the air coming in and out at the tip of the nose. Okay. Either one is fine. With with all of this teaching, it's go what's easy for you. Mm. You know, maybe you've read all the yogis do it this way. No, we're, we're talking about what's easy for you. So breath at the belly, rise and fall, or the nose coming in and out. Okay. Yeah, you're one kind of anchoring. Anchor is a good word. Sensation or, or thing, s- thing that you're focusing on? Yeah, so it could be the breath or it could be the sound. They're all sensations. You're right. You know, sound is very subtle because it's these you know, tympanic membranes. But, but sound or a physical sensation, like I'm sitting here in the chair and I'm noticing the touch of my hand, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm feeling, you know, where my thumbs are touching. And that's really comfortable, so I'm noticing that. Someone else, it might be their shoulders. I'm noticing my shoulders now, and now they're relaxing. Okay, my shoulders are relaxing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could be that, that kind of body and touch, you know, going, staying primarily with the body. Okay, so... Whichever, uh, yeah, sensation or aspect that you're focusing on is your main anchor. And then you have a couple other ones that you also just monitor and kind of well, like. You, you know, you could be if something calls your attention, you bring that loving awareness there. So maybe it's like I'm focusing on sound and then I've got this itch on my face. And then I've got a decision. Do I scratch it or do I just notice it? You know, nobody's ever died from an itch. (laughs) So I could just notice the itch. And I'm not listening to sound anymore. I'm noticing the itch. And then I'm noticing, well, maybe I will scratch it. And so there's an intention. What people don't realize is that there's a subtle intention before we do any action. And so that meditation, quieting the mind down, I notice, okay, I've got an intention to scratch. I'm going to lift my hand. I'm going to feel myself move my hand. I scratch, and I put my hand back. Mm. Nothing much is happening. I'm going back to sound, and I'm hearing sound. Or the person sitting with the itch, and what I'm going to promise is that itch is going to pass because everything changes. Mm. Or being with another sensation in the body. 
tightness, pleasure, pain, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. This has been a big part of my my journey, learning how to work with stress and everyone listening, I'm sure it's working with stress and having tools and guidance from someone who's literal, you know, you've had so much experience with this is so valuable. So thank you. So appreciated. You know, there's some people even, you know, the broad range of people, some people have a hard time sitting still. And so they might not even get into this meditation. What I've learned, there's a technique called walking meditation mm-hmm. where you could take a simple line, 15 feet, walk up, turn around, come back. So that, you know, with this mind-body techniques and approaches, it could be walking, it could be moving, as well as sitting. It's the practice that develops the skill. You know, the idea that Um, you know, worry, you know, worry is a strong feeling, emotion, thoughts, but, you know, I practice with this and then I can use it when I need it. When it comes up. Yeah. You were mentioning like, it's so important to practice in moments when you're not stressed. Yeah. To have a regular daily practice. I mean, that 10, 15 minutes once a day for yourself would be one and, but then it might be the person says, well, I, I can do walking meditation between, you know, this part of my job and that part. Mm-hmm. I don't really need to be thinking about anything. So what you might do is just feel each step as you walk. You know, you're in that sense, the body, you're connected to your body. It could be just be with every step and then that kindly letting go of the thousand thoughts coming back to the step okay or combining a step with a mantra i can do this i can do this hmm yeah okay so there's a couple of things i'm thinking of um well one is like yeah again thank you for that and for these techniques because they're needed by all of us in this moment <sighs> so if if change is stress, right? Any any change is stressful, but the human experience is literally just constant change. <laughs> why why is this not taught more and also what an interesting pairing, right? Like our lives are constant change and change causes stress. <laughs> like this is a constant presence in all of our lives whatever work we do in the world. And, and some people are thriving on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just personality, individual makeup, everybody's different. So some people hate change. You know, they have one little change and they're going all to pieces. Mm-hmm. So, you know, p- people, some, sometimes it's just survival skills. You, you know, you're growing up. And, you know, some some people grow up in what I would call a dysfunctional family situation where the messages we're taught are like, don't talk, don't trust people, don't feel anything. And so we're brought up with that. And so we learn certain coping mechanisms yes. that we get through that stress. But then, you know, as we're adults, as we're living our lives, what was you know let's say shutting down might have worked really well you know when we're growing up but then here it is we're growing you know we're adults we're having relationships with people we're communicating to other people shutting down a lot might be cutting down on the quality of your life yeah and so there's you know healing to me you know, of that that deep stuff from childhood can be learning how to talk, learning how to express yourself, finding, you know, safe people to trust because that can be a, a challenge sometimes. There's, you know, who's safe, who can I trust? Mm-hmm. And and then feel, you know, like, like anger. You know, that's for some people... Their personalities might 
be all about anger and they need to learn how to control it more. But for another person, their anger might have really got shut down and now they're depressed a lot and they need to find out, you know, how do I get in touch with that anger and learn ways to deal with it effectively? Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you know, it's, it'd be nice to say, well, all everybody has to do is this, but, you know, it's that individual makeup. Right. And, you know, yes. to look inside yourself. Mm-hmm. It's that that individual yeah, journey of putting whatever pieces together work for each of us. So um, some of these techniques that you've shared with us can help to fill in some of these gaps in what people may need in order to to cope with with stress in 2022. All right. I have a kind of a theory or a, a perspective about this work that I wanted to share with you and see you think mm. really quick. I feel like there's such a connection between learning to operate and work well with with our living systems of our body and our nervous systems and learning to work with the living systems of the earth in in healthy ways and I feel like it's almost too like they need each other it's almost like two hemispheres of the brain or something like both of these things need to be functioning well like our systems and then using our systems to function well within the systems of the earth if that makes any sense to you (laughs) yeah it makes deep sense i mean i call that nature mysticism really where we're using a connection that's there with nature but we're opening up to it and we're developing a relationship with nature so instead of the kind of the, the, the past, like people, men, men, women over nature, how do we get connected? Yes. And it's like as a partnership with nature. And so I, I, I call that nature mysticism. Wow. I've never heard that term. That's fascinating. Did you learn that term anywhere? Where did you? Well, th- there's there was a teacher, a woman named Evelyn Underhill, who wrote like in the early 1900s. She wrote this book on mysticism, and she said there was three main pathways that human beings touched spirituality. One was religion, and y- you can see that, that all the different religions have different methods to try to uh, grow more spiritually with greater or lesser success but (laughs) you know they're they're trying anyways and then another was she called the pathway beauty nature art music poetry creative movement expression Mm. that that could be a spiritual path for someone the third that she identified was um, difficult life experiences wow. where going through um, you know a challenging life experience there can be a growth a learning a wisdom a deepening of love a deepening of faith trust that can happen going through difficult life experiences and you know i could share a couple examples um, one would be um, the 12-step groups. Mm. You know, originally that was Alcoholics Anonymous, but uh, with really, really challenging life situations, you know, gambling addiction, sex addiction, food addiction, work addiction, drug addiction, they found that these 12 steps by a person hitting bottom realizing and and beginning to accept that they have a problem and then reaching out for help these 12 steps um, could be a way to grow spiritually through a difficult life situation another would be you've heard of the stages of dying mm-hmm. that people go through like a denial and a bargaining and anger and then acceptance now if I could share from my experience, acceptance has two sides. One, it could be like a resignation, a giving up, a resigning, you know, I'm just miserable and I'm going to stay miserable. Or there could be an acceptance 
where you open up, accept the current situation, and then move towards quality of life and physical functioning for whatever time you have left. Mm. Yeah, so, so resignation, acceptance. So those, you know, facing death or one of these, you know, big uh, addiction problems. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Those pathways are fascinating to me. I feel like for me, it's definitely been a combination of the second one, which is like nature, beauty, art, and the third one, which is difficult life circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm probably a lot of people listening yeah. will resonate with that. So I, I learned about that, um, let's say in 1980, and I've added a couple more pathways that I've discovered. Oh, yeah? One is science, a search for truth with a capital T, because hmm. science is really a path to come to truth. Hmm. And, you know, science, if you change, like um, Carl Sagan uh, said he asked the same question to every religious leader in the world. And, you know, being famous, he met every single faith. And he said he always asked them the same question. And he always got the same answer except once. And so he said, the question was, what if science disproves a central tenant of your faith? Ooh. Every religious leader said, well, we would just ignore science. Oh. Because our faith is what this is about. Except for one religious leader. You know who that was? No. The Dalai Lama. Huh. The Dalai Lama said, well, if science disproves a central tenet of Tibetan Buddhism, we'd have to change it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so he did. They wow. Originally, they, uh, Tibetan Buddhism said the universe was created by two yaks. And then a whole story about the two yaks. Mm -hmm. And so he changed it when, you know, he changed it. When, and he's got more of an evolutionary... Uh, understanding wow. now so science wow so so science can be a pathway as a search for truth yes and then the the fifth that i i have now is service 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 helping others without attachment to the results so that you know as a nurse i'm working with people and nobody's coming to duke hospital to die you know, everybody's <laughs> coming to get better, mm -hmm. you know, but some people die. Mm. And if like I'm, you know, broken hearted, crushed with the death, I'm not going to be able to help anybody else. So so, so it, it's service trying to help. But what happens happens. Wow. There's a higher power in control than me. So that, that would be a fifth pathway of spiritual growth. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay, so I wanted to ask you a couple more things as we wrap up. What's something that you wish everyone knew? For me, the I would say the experience of contentment in the present moment with what is, without a pushing away, without holding on. I think contentment in the present moment, I, I, I wish everyone knew. Because naturally from that, loving awareness comes. Because when you've got that deep contentment in the present, love starts to come right there. Mm. And what gives you hope for the future? Hope, personally, <laughs> I feel hope is a medicine. Mm. You know, I know some, sp some people feel like, you know, hope, takes you out of the present, you know, out of that contentment because right. you're wanting it to be better, mm -hmm. you, you know, so they, they don't, they don't like hope, but I like hope because in the hospital, the people I met who don't have hope, I would call them depressed, mm. not enlightened. <laughs> so hope is a medicine. The challenge is sometimes hope needs to shift. You know, I, uh, for example, a 22-year-old man I was working with in the hospital, and he had this rare type of cancer, but he was going home to die. And so his hope originally was to have a long life, 
you know, have kids, but that wasn't going to happen. And so in working with him, I saw how his hope shifted. He hoped not to be a burden on his family. He hoped to have some heart-to-heart talks with people. He hoped for pain management. And his family loved him. His friends Mm. adored him. And those hopes were going to be able to happen. So I think hope is important, but sometimes life circumstances, we need to shift the hope. Wow. Fascinating. I could ask you questions for a long time, but... Um, <laughs> oh, it's great talking with you. Thank you for, for sharing these techniques yeah, with us. Yeah, thank you all for listening, too. Yeah. This is a different type of conversation, but I really believe that being able to work with ourselves as people, this is an essential part. Rondas's biggest teaching, the only work we have to do is on ourselves. Oof. And he lived that. <laughs> wow. So um, how can people connect with you and learn from you more beyond this conversation? Well, I have a website. We'll link that. We'll link everything. Here. Yeah. So John, J-O-N, Vasu, V-A-S-U dot com. Vasu's the name Ramdas gave me means that part of God who gives of himself to others. And then he said his, his being is the true wealth. So just being able to give because sometimes it's not called for and it's better for the person to do it on their own. But having the ability to give when needed or called forth. Mm. So that that's probably the best way. There's a contact page on there. Uh, my email is good, ram, R-A-M, 1008 at hotmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, yeah, for your time. Very and welcome. Thank you for listening, everybody. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Regenerative Revolution podcast. We have all the tools we need to become educated and activated into positively co-creating with the life force of the earth. This podcast is here to help the transition along and help us all get inspired, connect, and act. Please remember to hit subscribe, rate us five stars, and even leave us a nice review. It really helps the show rise in the rankings and helps this message get out to more and more people. Who do you want to hear interviewed next? It's important to me that this is a co-created exploration, and I would love everyone's suggestions for the next episode. You can send those suggestions to me via the Instagram for the show at Regenerative Revolution Podcast, or you can send them to my email, JenningsIngram at gmail.com. Thank you so much for co-creating this adventure with me, and thank you from the bottom of my heart for being an essential part of the Regenerative Revolution. See you in the next episode.